Hello and welcome to another episode of Tour Guide Talks, the travel show about the people we trust to teach us about local history, local gastronomy, local haunts, and who give us directions to great finds and secret experiences. In this show, we're going to talk about our tour guide's travel philosophy and why they chose a career in this intriguing profession. With this show, there is no need to write anything down. We will leave links in the show notes so you can reference the places that are discussed. Enjoy the show, and thank you for coming along for this tour guide talk. As a side show note, Tour Guide Talks was born during the COVID-19 pandemic. In order to be a responsible talk show, recording has been done over phone lines, Wi-Fi connections, or over video conferencing. As a result, recording levels are not always perfect and sometimes there will be inconsistencies. Hello, Tour Guide Talks. This is Alvaro, your host. Today, I'm very excited because we have a tour guide with us from Sevilla. Sevilla is a very special place because most people, whenever they think of Spain, they think of the things you're going to see in Andalusia. And Sevilla is the capital of Andalusia. And we have a tour guide to explain to us a little bit about what goes on there, what she does, and how she can do us a favor whenever we end up in Sevilla and show us a town. So Marta Casals, welcome to Tour Guide Talks. Hello, Alvaro. I'm very happy to be here with you. Yeah, how exciting. So as tour guides, we love to travel. If we want to start there and give us some background where you traveled. Sure. Uh, of course, uh I like to be a tour guide and I like to travel. I try to, to do a trip at least uh, once a year. And every year I, I decided to, to, to do a different one, if it's possible, uh, to know uh, different cultures, uh, or in Europe, or also in Asia, or in South America, or different places. Where have you been in Asia? In Asia, I have been twice uh, in the late, late uh, few years. I've been to Japan and to Vietnam. And why, did, the, why did you choose uh, Vietnam and Japan? Because Vietnam, I had uh, uh, some recommendations from friends. They told me it's a great country, beautiful landscape, it's very safe, and you can go on your own. And we said, why not? And we really enjoy it. Maybe more than Japan. Japan was amazing, but if I have to choose, I prefer Vietnam. I would go back to Vietnam tomorrow if I could. <laughs> really? wow. so, yeah. so, so did you use a tour guide when you went there? Did you find? Uh, did you uh, seek a tour guide? Yeah. Yes. Uh, I usually I usually do it. I did it in Vietnam, in Japan, also in Mexico City. It's a good experience. I know because. I am the host here in Sevilla, yeah. so I know this can help to make the, the trip much better. Yeah. Of course, nice of thing. course, when you get some insight. You have a company in Sevilla. Yes, that's right. Tour and Sevilla. It's Tour Sevilla. How, that's when right. did you start your tour company? Uh, almost 20 years ago. I've been working as a tour guide for a long time. And in the beginning, it was more difficult to get clients because I am a freelance. In fact, uh, my I am the boss. I, it's, it's my company of one person. I can collaborate with some colleagues if needed. But uh, in fact, uh, I do most of my tours. Uh, and now it's working quite well because well, of... Congratulations. Uh, yeah, So what you. type of tours do you host? Uh, they are mainly private tours. Uh, I think it's the best way to give a good service to the people. Do you do walking and then do you go and see museums? Are you allowed into the museums or yeah, how yeah, does course. that work? I am an official tour guide, so I have no restrictions uh, to 
to see everything and to go in all of the museums and monuments in Sevilla. And most of my tours are walking tours, sometimes bike tours. This is a thing yeah, I, I like a lot. You, yeah. How, how would you recommend people to see Sevilla? Would you recommend walking or bike? Uh, well, both. Uh, Sevilla is not a very big city. We are um, around uh, 700,000 people living in the city, but the historical city, it is smaller. I mean, you can walk perfectly. You don't need to take a bus or a taxi. Walking is great, but also a bike tour can give you the possibility of going to uh, different places. So both are fine. How far back do you go into the history of Sevilla? How, give us uh, an idea how old Sevilla is. Okay, the history of Seville in one minute. Uh, <laughs> Seville <laughs> is not easy, no, no but uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, Seville is a city with more than two thousand years. Uh, it was supposed to be found by the Phoenicians, so two thousand seven hundred years ago, but uh, it was important in the Roman times. Later, there was an important Muslim period that lasted five hundred years. So this was a big influence uh, in the architecture and the handicraft. Uh, of the the city we have today and later there is a christian period and there was a very very important moment in the 1500s when the trips and the caravels that went to america and beyond because seville was the port seville was the origin and the arrival so it has a very rich yeah, history there is so much and it is so complicated it is very rich especially these towns and cities that have 2000 years of age so this influence that everyone knows about, or maybe people don't even realize, is that there's a lot of push and pull between the Castellano language mm -hmm. and, its, and its Arabic influence. For example, my, my name is Alvaro, right? Yes. And so... That's very Castilian. We know that... <laughs> it's very Castilian, but then in most names, it starts with an A-L, yeah. right? And so when you see that A-L, you usually understand that that root of that word comes from um, mm. the Arabic influence, right? That's right. Uh, well, basically, uh, as far as I know, Spanish or Castilian, that's the same. Uh, it is a Latin language. So we have uh, a Latin uh, origin, maybe 80, 90%. But it's true, not in the grammar, but the vocabulary. Uh, we have some Arabic uh, influences. For example, the words you, you mentioned, starting with A-L. This is the article. For example, the River of Seville. There is a big river crossing the city. It, it has uh, the original Arabic name, Guadalquivir, and it means Wadi al-Kabir, the big river. So we have uh, kept a lot of uh, words uh, with an Arabic origin. But basically, when we speak Spanish or Castilian, uh, we are speaking a, a Latin language. For the most part, yeah. Seville is also known for having some pretty famous festivals. Tell us the time when these festivals happen, because if someone is going to go in the fall or someone is going to go in the <clears> spring, <throat> uh, what festivals should they uh, look out for? Okay, in Seville, uh, mainly we have two festivals during the springtime. Primavera Festival. We have the Holy Week. We have Easter Week uh, all over Spain, of course. That, that is a religious Celebration. Semana Santa, they call Sema it, right? Semana Santa is the Spanish name. But in Sevilla, it is especially important. And we have parades, we have processions uh, in the streets every day for seven days, uh, the afternoon, during the afternoon, and it's a lot of people. It's crowded, local people, but also tourists. Maybe, well, I mean, 
If you like a lot the Holy Week, it's a good occasion to come here and see. But maybe it's not the best time to visit Seville because you cannot see more than this. So it can be a little uncomfortable. But it's truly a, a very uh, important theme for the city. It's not only religious, it's more a tradition. And there is an artistic side, um, local people is involved a lot. So it's, it's a very, very interesting thing. So do they decorate the streets? Uh, what do they do for the festivals? Because I know, for me, the first time I saw uh, these very large hats that they yeah, wear... Yeah, I know, I know uh, what you're going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. You were thinking of the Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, well, yes, yes, quite, then, quite honestly. M many, many clients, many visitors uh, tell me that. But for us, this has nothing to do. Uh, it's totally different of, for of us. Of course not. Yeah. yeah, of course not. It is a very nice thing. But it's true in the processions, uh, there are floats with the images of the Virgin Mary or Christ, and they go to the cathedral and they go back to the church where they departed. And the processions are accompanied by penitents. The penitents are local people. I have friends that can participate. That's a personal thing. And they are uh, wearing... So they're all uh, volunteers. They're just they're people yeah, yeah, that yeah. say, let yeah. me carry it. Because mm -hmm. these things, are, I assume, are not very light. I'm, uh, I'm sure if, if, heavy, if you were from Seville, probably you would be part of one of the brotherhoods <laughs> because they are organized in brotherhoods. And the brotherhood is a group of people attached uh, uh, to a church. Uh, the rest of the year, they have an important activity of charity. So they help uh, other people. But the big day for them is the day of the procession. And they are wearing, it's true, the pointed hat. And this gives us a, a very weird image. But for us, it's a very nice thing. I insist, <laughs> nothing to do with <laughs> the Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> oh, of course also not. Also, children participate. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things here in Spain that I... It's funny. I, when, I, when I see them, I'm like, okay, that, that could be perceived as a little bit strange. But it's another part of the world, so we can't compare the two. Just me being American, and I'm sure, as you just mentioned, that a lot of people, when they see that, it's like, okay, that scares me a little bit. But. Yeah, you are not the first one who tells me that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure. So, what? Tell me something about the what people eat during these festivals. Tell me. Let's get into gastronomy. Let's start talking about some of the foods that are famous in Sevilla. Mm -hmm. um, for I the festivals, yeah, for, for the, the festivals, festivals uh, there is not a, an a special uh, food. Well, uh, sweets. People uh, eat torrijas. Torrijas is bread, fried bread with a lot of honey. Uh, or, or even wine. That's a, a typical thing eaten during the festival. But there is nothing special. Uh, it's more the, the aesthetic, uh, the, the, the visual thing. You can go and, and see. Okay. Mm. And, and for our listeners, we're going to put a couple of photos of these processions and sure. or these, uh, these special foods. Tell me about the most famous food that comes from the south of Spain, the tapas. Can, can you sure. explain a little bit about tapas? Uh, tapas, maybe it's, it's very well known all over the world. Also, if you go to the United States, you can find uh, tapas restaurants uh, and they come from Spain. And more specifically, they come from the south of Spain. It seems originally um, when people went to a tavern to have a glass of wine, a slice of ham or cheese uh, was put on the top of the glass to avoid the flies went in. So they were ah. covering because tapa... Uh, in Spanish means cover. 
So it was a slice of uh, cheese or ham covering the, the glass. And this is the origin. It is a snack, in fact. Later it was developed. And today, when we talk about tapas, we are talking about small portions of food. But this is accompanying the, the glass of wine or the beer you are having before lunch. Um, it so is usually a great tradition. the tradition is that when you buy a drink, you get a tapa, correct? Yeah, but not for free. <laughs> I mean, originally, years ago, uh, you were invited to have a tapa, a free tapa that you couldn't choose with your glass of wine or your beer. This is still um, done in some cities. I think in Granada, that's a good tradition. It's for free, but not in Seville now. You need to pay. It's not, it's not very expensive, in fact. Uh, so you eat uh, a little bit of well, whatever. It can be cold or hot, and you can pay three euros, for example, and also you drink your wine. When people go out in Sevilla and tourists arrive in Sevilla, uh, are they kind of surprised at the time schedule when people go out? Yes, a lot. <laughs> yeah. If they have to think, uh, you should leave two hours uh, later. I mean... So, so if we go out at 10 o'clock at night, we should be going out at 12 o'clock in the morning then, correct? Uh, maybe. Uh, to have dinner at 9.30 or 10 p.m. for them uh, is strange. Uh, not only for American people, also for the French uh, visitors or, well, everywhere. Uh, we have uh, a very special schedule. Sometimes when you go to a different country, you need to adapt. When I was in Vietnam a couple of years ago, also there was a different timetable and people uh, woke up at six in the morning. That was the big moment in the day. So this is a thing that we don't do here in Spain, but... Well, why not? For one week or for a couple of weeks, you can change your no, time It's tables. an interesting... I, I tell people it's usually the same time clock. It's just turned a little yeah, bit. Yeah, right? yeah, so exactly. Instead go of waking to, up at 6 or at 7, uh, you can wake up at 8, go to work yeah. at 9, 30, mm -hmm. 10. Yeah, uh, and you can go you to bed a, at midnight. Or, yeah. Quite normal. A any, Even anyway, the kids. Yeah, even the kids. Yeah, even the kids go to bed and sleep late. Anyway, it's not the same thing if it's the weekend and people go out or during the week. I mean, during yeah. the week, uh, we have a more controlled timetable. So people stay at home. We don't go out all the time. When you host tours, yeah, what are some of the misconceptions that people have when arriving in Sevilla? And what are some of the surprises that they have? whenever they get to Sevilla and they had these certain expectations, but then they realized that it was absolutely different, different. than what they expected. Mm, well, there is, I don't know if it, this is good or bad, but when people come to Seville, I mean, foreign people from different countries, I have many clients from Australia or from the United States, in a way, they don't know much about Seville. So they don't have many expectations. So they don't know what they are going to see. They don't know what they are going to experience. And it's a shame because we should make a better publicity of our city. But this is good because everything is new for them. And most of them, I would say 99%, is very happy because of the beauty of the city. So sometimes I think it's better not to have an expectation. So... You mentioned some of the beauty. There's some famous works of architecture there. Um, I, I guess there's uh, the famous one is the mushroom. That's one of the uh, more recent 
yeah. famous pieces of architecture that you have there. Can you explain a little bit about what that, that work of architecture is? This is a new construction. Uh, it is from 2009, so 10 years ago. It's in the middle of the city. It's the geographical center of the city of Seville. It's a big structure, and the name Mushroom, it is a popular name. In fact, uh, the official name is Metropole Parasol, but everybody call it the mushrooms. Well, we say setas, we don't say mushrooms. Right, <laughs> but right. it is because of the shape. And there is a, there is a viewpoint. The interesting thing is to go up and you have the best perspective, the best viewpoint uh, in the city. It's funny because it's a modern uh, construction. It was designed by a famous German architect called Jürgen Meyer. And people in Seville, we are divided. 50% of the people, they love. 50% they hate. So Why did they create it? Uh, to take advantage of that space that was unfortunately empty for a long time. And it is in the middle of the city. And also the city wanted to be uh, maybe... Uh, to give a more modern uh, aspect because Seville in general is a very traditional city. It's quite conservative, but also there is a new Seville, there is a modern Seville. So we have the, the two elements. And this is why maybe the mushrooms uh, for part of the population was not very well accepted. Personally, I love them. So I consider yeah, I, that's I, a good thing for the city. You know, when, when you look at the structure, and again, in the notes that we're going to put a photo of this, um, yeah. because it's made out of wood, right? Yeah, it's made of wood. It's white color and mm -hmm. made of wooden pieces. It's very modern, of course, but for me, it's quite well integrated in the city. But it's true, around we have uh, two, three uh, churches. They are from the 14th century, from the 16th century. So it creates a, a very strange uh, thing in the middle of the city. But well, I like it. I think it's one of those good things because uh, I'm here in Barcelona based and we have some of the, the same things that are happening. We have some very forward thinking architecture. Mm -hmm. And then right next to that, you know, we have some Roman ruins here. And I, I really like that push pull between architecture and these different yeah, contrast. centuries. Yeah. I personally like it. And then yeah. on top of that, here we have the beach as well. Yeah. And uh, I love those, that, that, those two sides that are because mm -hmm. it makes tourism interesting, right? Yeah. Remember in Paris? Uh, the Louvre Museum, uh, at the entrance, uh, was built uh, the pyramid, uh, and it created right, uh, a big controversy. It's the same thing uh, here. And, well, and it's probably the most, the most famous visual of the Louvre outside of what's inside the, the museum. It is, yeah. Maybe in 50 years, in 100 years, it will be totally accepted. So people will appreciate much more than, than now. Well, who knows? Uh, but the, the cities, they have to, to have an evolution. In, in my opinion. Speaking of museums, what are some museums that people should look for when visiting Sevilla? Well, more than museums, we have uh, important and interesting museums, but we have two places. We have the cathedral and we have the royal palace. They can be considered museums. The cathedral itself, inside, it has one of the best painting collections. So it's not only a cathedral, it is also a, a museum. And the Royal Palace, the name is Alcázar. It is mainly architecture, but uh, they are the two most visited monuments. Uh, apart from that, uh, we have the Fine Arts Museum and many other small ones uh, in, the, in the city. Tell me something about the architecture about Alcázar. 
is it again going back to this Muslim influence, Arabic yes. influence, yeah. or can you can you tell me a little bit about its architecture? Mm. The Alcazar is amazing. I mean, outside you just it's a big castle. It looks like an old building. Well, it goes back to the Middle Ages. It was built for the first time 1,000 years ago. But inside, more than a castle, it is a palace. In a way, it's similar to the Alhambra in Granada because there are some similarities. But the architecture is amazing. It is much bigger than you think because it is totally surrounded by a wall. But inside, we have 90,000 square meters. So it's uh, it's quite big, including the gardens. It is not only one palace. It is a group of different palaces. And originally it was created by the Muslim people. It and has why, always why been the royal palace. Uh, in the 10th century, to be the fortress, to be the castle, to defend the city. But it was also occupied by the Muslim kings. But later the city was conquered by the Christian kings. And also they went to, to, live, uh, to live there. So we have uh, a mixture of a different type of architectures. And when you visit, when you go inside, in a way you feel you are going back to the Middle Ages. So it's right. very, very well kept, considering it was made, the, the, one of the buildings inside the main palace, it is from the 1300s, so 700 years ago. So if you're in the south of Spain and you do end up in Granada and you do end up going to Alhambras, yes. uh, you're saying that, that you, you recommend seeing the both to compare them and understand yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the sure. math that went into it. Yeah, that's a good idea. Also consider when you are visiting the south of Spain, we have here, I think it's basically the only place in all of Europe where you can see the Muslim heritage. Seville was a Muslim city 500 years, Granada 700 years. So that's a, a big... Uh, influence. Also, if not, you have to go to Istanbul. But there is the opposite, because it was originally Christian and now it's Muslim. And here, to the west, uh, it was originally Muslim and now it's Christian. So it is, for me, very, very interesting to see the mixture of the different cultures. Wow. Fascinating. Yeah. One of the things about Sevilla that uh, I see is this interesting motto that Sevilla has. And I don't mm -hmm. exactly understand it because when, if you were to look at it, it looks like the letter N, the letter O, and then it looks like the number eight and then the letter D and yeah. O. Yeah. Can it's you explain that little, is, is that an infinity symbol or is, no. is that the number eight? What, what is that motto? It's, it's difficult to explain because it's a play on words in Spanish, but I will try. It's true. This is the emblem, the the symbol for the city. The element in the middle is a knot, you know, a wool knot. Right. So okay, if you so read, like a rope. A, yeah. If you read in Spanish, knot is madeja. So madeja. it would be re, uh, it would be read no madejado. No madejado sounds almost the same that she didn't abandon me. She didn't leave me. And it's making reference to the fidelity of the city of Seville, but 800 years ago. Uh, to the legal king. The king was Alfonso. Alfonso was the, um, Alfonso X was a second Christian king of Seville after the Christian conquest of the city, and he was in a civil war against his uh, son. So Alfonso came here to Seville, and Seville, the city, supporting uh, the king. So the king said, Sevilla didn't abandon me. Sevilla no me ha dejado. Well, from that time, this was in 1284, uh, this is the element 
for the identification of the city. Do you see it all over the city? Is it like uh, on yeah, flags? Yeah, yeah. And- yeah uh, flags or um, in the floor and the lights. Uh, it's, uh, it's representing the city hall of Seville. So oh. Nodo from the Middle Ages, you can see everywhere. And the, the symbol in the middle is not the number eight, but the knot. I want you to teach me a little bit about Christopher Columbus. Wow, everybody knows Christopher Columbus. <laughs> yep. uh, yes, but what probably most people don't know about Christopher Columbus is yes. that his remains are in Sevilla. Yes, that's right. Is, is, this, is this true? True or not? Or, is this, or not? I mean, because we don't, we could have an, well, I mean, Christopher Columbus is such a dividing Mm-mm. figure, right? Because, first of all, uh, if you ask an Italian if Christopher Columbus was from Italy, they will yeah. tell you. Yes. And then if you ask someone from Portugal, uh, Portugal will also claim him. And several people claim Christopher Columbus. And Mm. we know what he became famous for. And now that Christopher Columbus has kind of become a a dividing figure for myself as an American, uh, sometimes we have Columbus Day and we have a lot that's named after this famous traveler. But then we also don't necessarily agree on his legacy in Latin America Uh and in the Americas. Uh, so it's it's very interesting to me, and I don't think most people realize this, that Christopher Columbus is buried in, Here in Seville. Sevilla. Yeah. Is it true? Uh, there is a story and there is a controversy. So a few years ago, we have more information. 99% uh, these are the two remains of Christopher Columbus, or at least part of them. I, I tell you the story in a couple of minutes. Uh, Take your time. Yeah, it's true that Christopher Columbus' uh, life uh, has a lot of mysteries. The birthplace, uh, Italy. Well, most of the historians think he was born in Genoa, in Italy, north of Italy. But also there are problems to know if the remains of Christopher Columbus are here or not. Christopher Columbus died in Spain, but not in Seville. He died in Valladolid. It's a city in the north of Spain, 1506 was the year. The family of Christopher Columbus was living here in Seville, so the remains came here to be buried in a monastery, the monastery of the Cartusians. But Christopher Columbus had written in his testament he wanted to be buried in Santo Domingo, you know, La Española, that was an island in the Caribbean Sea. Mm -hmm. He had been the governor, that was an important place for him, so the remains uh, were uh, taken to Santo Domingo with the remains of his elder son, Diego, both father and son together in Santo Domingo. Years later, in Santo Domingo, there was a war and the remains of Columbus, Christopher, they were um, transferred to a different place, to Cuba, that was still part of Spain, but not for a long time, because in 1898 was the independence of Cuba, the Spanish-American War, you know, etc. In that moment, 120 years ago, the remains of Christopher Columbus came back to Sevilla, to the cathedral, where they are now. But the one who came back was Christopher or maybe Diego. Remember his son. They were together during a time in Santo Domingo. That has, this has been the controversy for a long time to know if the two remains were here or not. But a few years ago was done the DNA test. To do that, we need uh, to have a comparison. We cannot uh, do it without. But fortunately, it existed because we also have here in Seville the second son of Christopher Columbus, Ferdinand. 
Ferdinand. And, and that you know. That, yeah, that you yeah, know yeah. without that's, a doubt. That's for sure. That's for sure. So this was very useful. And it was a kind of a triangle, the comparison. The sample, Ferdinand and, and Christopher, and a brother of Christopher Columbus also here in Sevilla. And the answer was a yes. So that's great. We are happy. We have the two remains of Christopher Columbus. But uh, some more problems or we don't have the uh, total happiness because we have here inside of the tomb, in the cathedral, inside of the burial, only 150 grams. It is not much. There should be more than this. So, yes, this is Christopher Columbus. We can say that. But part of him could be still in the Dominican Republic, in Santo Domingo. So we need to go on with uh, researching. It is said that's a joke. Uh, Christopher Columbus uh, traveled more dead than alive. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing to me. And, and this is the, the beauty of history. And mm -hmm. I think one of the reasons why people travel yeah, that, sure. Th they want to dive in and they want to get into these controversies because uh, we're still attached to them. And mm -hmm. whether we realize it or, or, or not, uh, it still affects us. Uh, we still talk about Christopher Columbus as though sure. he was just a guy that happened, mm -hmm. you know, a couple of hundred years ago. No, this, this, is, uh -huh. this is 1400. Yeah, right? yeah, and, yeah. It's right. Uh, I, I love that. And I wanted to bring this up with you because I was wondering whether some of your tourists that are there also ask are, and are inquisitive about this. But this, in uh, fact, th this story of Christopher Columbus, I think, is the most popular moment in my tours <laughs> because really? every, every, everybody pays attention. You know, even the teenagers, well, children, children or teenagers, sometimes it's difficult to keep their attention. But when we talk about Christopher Columbus, everybody is very, very interested. I don't know, because they, they know uh, it's an important uh, character, of course. Uh, um, but it's, it's, no, it's I, I, I have the same experience here when we have tours. And we start talking about Queen Isabella, and we talk about Ferdinand. As, yeah. um, as Americans, you know, these are just fictional stories. Mm -hmm. they're, they're not reality. Because we, you know, we hear that, oh, Christopher Columbus came to the Americas. And, uh, but, but it doesn't sound real. But then whenever you make that connection between yeah. a fictional story that mm -hmm. was told to you as a young child, and then you see this is actually the person, yeah, or they this were is here. the king and the queen, yeah, and they're here. Yeah, it it makes it real, and it snaps you right back into like, wait, hold on a second. So yeah. that was actually true. It isn't just a story. <laughs> you I, know, I love my, that because I had that same reaction. Uh, in my tours, I also use a tablet. So I, I like to to talk uh, to tell the stories, but I think it's a good idea to have an image. So if I am talking about Christopher Columbus or Queen Isabella, I show a picture of them, a portrait. Uh, and also even I show them the remains of Columbus that are inside of the box, inside of the burial. Uh, mm -hmm. And this way, I think uh, is closer, it's, it's more impressive. Oh, it's it, funny. It, 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 it should send chills down people's spine because it's like, oh, wow, this is, this is real, real. Yeah. It isn't just, uh, mm -hmm. just like, like I said, a story. <laughs> Tell us about three places that everyone should go see in Sevilla and give us a couple that probably most people don't know about and they should add to their agenda whenever they're traveling to Sevilla. Okay, we have been talking about the cathedral. That's number one, of course. People have to go to the royal palace, the Alcazar, the, the fortress, the castle with the beautiful buildings. Ah, um, moreover, inside of the Alcazar, that's number two. <laughs> Inside of the Alcazar, uh, for the fans of Game of Thrones, 
they can recognize oh. some of the places that appeared in season five. Season five, uh, supposing to be the Kingdom of Dorne, you can see some of the locations inside of the Alcazar. So this is a plus. This is a, a very so exciting. So are there now Game of Thrones tours in Sevilla? Uh, yes, it can be done. There have been several, mainly the this one I mentioned, the inside mm -hmm. of the Alcazar for the Kingdom of Dorne. I am a fan of the TV series. Um, I, I don't have a specific uh, tour of Game of Thrones, but I try to mention because, well, many people uh, watch uh, the TV series and they are really excited because most of them, they have no idea. In one minute, uh, they are inside of that place. Uh, yeah, because in, in Girona, in the north of Spain, not too far yeah. from here, yeah, they have they have Game of Thrones, yeah. tour, uh, Game of Thrones tours because there is so much of... Yeah, uh, you don't in there, so it's it's good to know. I didn't realize that that happened in Sevilla as well. Yeah, uh, not only in the Alcazar, also in a. You were asking about secret places or hidden places. Um, Game of Thrones, the 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 last uh, season. Well, I don't tell very much about it, but there is an important episode uh, in the basement of the Red Fortress. Uh, so it was shot here in Seville in the old shipyards. The old shipyards, it's not far from the cathedral, cannot be visited. But when we pass by, there are big windows and one of them is broken. So it's very secret because I know you can go and have a look through the window. And oh. it is uh, very mysterious. No, it's for curious people. And I tell them this was a building for the construction of the boat 700, 800 years ago. And besides, this is the place uh, for the final episode of Game of Thrones. And well, oh. that's that's funny. And the other um, one? There's one yeah, or there's two? Yeah. Give me another one. Um, it's difficult to choose. Plaza de España, a square of Spain. It is the largest square in Seville, but you cannot miss it if you are visiting Seville. It is a public square with a big building, so you can go at any time. It's by the Central Park of Seville. The park is called Park of Maria Luisa. Park is beautiful, but it's a park. But the square was made of in 1929. It's not very, very old, 100 years ago, the construction. But it is amazing because of the size and because of the decoration. And also inside it, you can see a collection of uh, benches decorated with tiles, and they are representing all the Spanish provinces, the Spanish cities in alphabetical order. This way, you can go to Barcelona, you can go to Madrid, and you can have a trip. So it's it's a place that I think everybody everybody loves it. Plaza de Yeah, España. that sounds interesting because most people wouldn't put make that connection or realize that they can go see all these different places inside that plaza. <clears throat> so we are recording this in the time of COVID, uh, COVID-19. Mm -hmm. As tour guides, our jobs have pretty much been lost because there isn't much going on, but that doesn't mean that we're sitting idle. I want you to tell us, because I know, well, first of all, I want you to tell us what you have been working on while we haven't yeah. had so many tours. Can you explain a little bit about your new YouTube channel? Okay, of course, like all the tour guides, I had to stop my my job uh, two months ago uh, in the month of March. Uh, well, we couldn't do anything because we didn't receive any tourists. Uh, so I decided to create a YouTube uh, channel uh, to make videos. And my videos are, of course, about the history of Seville. Uh, they are short videos, five minutes or seven minutes. And the idea is 
to talk about uh, specific things. Sometimes it can be a character or it can be a place or it can be a historical moment. So this way people can know more about uh, the history of the city and the name is Civil History Lovers. And my Civil opinion, history. my idea is that the history uh, can be fun. History is not boring. Uh, history and art and culture, it is entertaining and fun. It's important to to have passion when you tell the the stories, but uh, this is the the goal. This is the objective. what. What are some of the stories that you've covered already? Uh, I have made uh, uh, seven or eight uh, short videos. Uh, one was about uh, the symbol of Seville, the nodo. The she uh -huh. didn't abandon me. This is why I know the story very well. <laughs> now. Uh, The last uh, one, well, it will be released uh, uh, in two weeks, uh, is about Washington Irving, a famous uh, American writer who was living here in Seville for one year in the 1800s. He's a, a very nice Why, why did he character. go to Se Sevilla? Why did he go to Sevilla? What, what was, because he's, he's most known for, uh, he's very uh, for his American in the, works. In the United States, uh, yeah. Right, from, from the New York area. Uh, he was first in Madrid. He was a traveler, he was an ambassador, he was a writer, and he was researching in Madrid and uh, uh, about the, um, the discovery of America and about Christopher Columbus. He wrote uh, a book about the journeys of Christopher Columbus. But he fell in love with Andalusia when he first came to Seville. Then he would be in Granada, but he spent one year in Seville. So he came here Um, he was a tourist. In fact, uh, he can be considered one of the first tourists uh, in Seville. This was 150 years ago. And there is a, a beautiful house in Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz is a neighborhood here in Seville. Uh, there are traditional and beautiful houses in narrow streets. And in one of them, in the alley of the water, that's the name of the street, there is a house with an inscription in bronze uh, telling this was uh, the place uh, and it is dedicated to Washington Irving because he was uh, living there. Um, well, later he went to Granada and he wrote uh, the famous tales from the Alhambra. But uh, there is a connection with Seville and I wanted to talk about this. So I recommend you. I'm, I'm fascinated see. by it. And most Americans would be fascinated by it just because of his connection to Sevilla. So, in fact, uh, yeah, in fact, in Spain, he's not very well known. I know for you, he's a very, very important writer, but not here. This is why I wanted to mention him and not only him, but to talk about the foreign travelers. French people or from the United States or from England, they came here in the 19th century, and they were the first ones who made this region popular and who started to talk about uh, our traditions. Yeah, uh, Hemingway, George Orwell, yeah. uh, all outside famous writers that, uh -huh. that started making the mystique for, of Spain happen. Yeah, for example, older than this, remember the, there is a famous opera, French opera, Carmen. You know, Carmen, it was composed by the French uh, musician Bisset. But a few years earlier, the story was written by a, a different uh, French writer, Merime. So it is the vision of a French tourist about the region of Andalusia. But the story is international. Carmen, she was a cigar maker. The story takes place here in Seville. And part of it in the tobacco factory where Carmen used to work. Uh, many, many years later, I studied in the tobacco factory because that was my university. 
Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there is a connection. <laughs> also uh, you know, it's Carmen. interesting. Every once in a while, you will see Carmen uh, dressed up as an Española in traditional Spanish yeah, yeah, yeah. garb. Mm -hmm. But yeah. it was created. She's a fictional character. Well, probably there would be many cigar makers like Carmen, but it was she was created by a French uh, uh, artist. It's, it's funny. Also, remember Don Juan or Figaro. They are main characters of famous operas. They take place in Sevilla. Um, it is a good occasion to, to talk about this. So one of the things that people love about Sevilla and the south of Spain is the flamenco music. Yes. Um, the dance and the song. Mm -hmm. Can you give us a, a little bit of perspective on where the style of singing came from? Because when you hear it, sometimes for those of us that speak Spanish, they don't necessarily understand it, the way it bends mm -hmm. and the notes that they use. Can you tell us a little mm -hmm. bit about that? Flamenco was created here in the south of Spain, not only in Seville, but Seville is one of the cradles, one of the origins of flamenco. And it was created, apparently, because it is a noun, but 500 years ago by the gypsies, the gypsy people. Originally, they were nomadic people, but they settled down in the south of Spain in the 16th, 14th, uh, 15th, 16th century. It is a music created by them. But in that time, there, uh, there were still some uh, Arabic or Moorish people still living. It is right before the final expulsion. And it seems there is a connection between the gypsies and the Moorish people, the last ones living here in Andalusia. So this is probably why there are some influences from the Arabic music, or at least some experts, they see the connections. Oh, I, I hear it. Absolutely, I hear it. With the way that they bend, yeah. it reminds mm. me a lot about mm. uh, when, yeah. when uh, the Muslim call for prayer. You hear the way that they pray, and you hear mm -hmm. the way that they bend their yeah. prayer. You're and right. I hear that same intonation in mm -hmm. the flamenco music. And for yeah. me, it's fascinating, mm -hmm. because it isn't just about uh, the history and where the music came from, but the history is in the music. You still hear that mm -hmm. long legacy today. It's yeah. pretty interesting to me. Yeah, to, to go and, and attend to a flamenco show, I think most of the people coming to, to Sevilla, or Granada maybe, but Sevilla too, they, they do. And they are always very impressed by the beauty, by the... It's different. I mean, it's very passionate. Sometimes it's very intense. So it is a, a very strong experience so this can be a, an option. I mean, we don't only have uh, monuments and places to visit, but experiences. Uh, and flamenco can be surely one of them uh, I recommend. I can't wait to get to Sevilla and take a tour by you. You're I invited. can't thank you enough for taking some time to, to tell us about your tour, your tour company, to tell us about your perspective on Sevilla. And if anybody wants to find Marta, they can find her at the website toursevilla.com. That's T-O-U-R-S and then E-V-I-L-L-A. You can also find her on Facebook at the same handle of uh, Tours Sevilla. So it'll be facebook.com and then slash T-O-U-R-S-E-V-I-L-L-A. What is the, the name of your YouTube channel? Seville History uh, Lovers. Seville History, Seville History Lovers. Lovers. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, but it is connected with Tour Sevilla. So it's under the name Tour Sevilla. You can find the version of videos for Sevilla history lovers. When we say 
sometimes I say Seville, sometimes I say Sevilla. My official name is Tour Sevilla, but when Sevilla. you know when we speak English, we use Sevilla, but for Sevilla, me it's the same. Right. Mm? Sevilla or Sevilla. I, I think that most it doesn't even, make even any in English, difference. If you say Sevilla, Se, uh, Sevilla, Seville, I, I think that that one letter doesn't yeah, make that Yeah, people can understand. Much. Perfect. Yeah, it's not it's not too confusing. Yeah. I can't thank you enough. I love this conversation. Like I said, I can't wait to get down to Sevilla and meet you and go on one of your tours. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Bye-bye and see you soon in Sevilla. Thank you again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this episode. You will find the show notes on our website at tourguidetalks, that's with an S, dot com. We will leave a link in the show description. We would love to hear your feedback. You can get in touch with us via our website or on all major social media platforms with the handle at tourguidetalks. Make sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any secrets or new information on your favorite travel locations. If you have a show idea or know a guide that should be on this show, please be in touch. Thanks again, and please pass the show on to another travel enthusiast. Ciao.